Another week in review. We'll also talk some of the biggest series around the nation this weekend. But as always, we will crown our own National Players of the Week. We'll have our surprises of the week. We'll even give you some of our best opinions for NAI baseball, not just this week, but down the road as well. Before we get into it all, we have to welcome on in the man, the myth, the legend behind it all, the NAI ball account, the foremost authority of NAI baseball, Cody Man, how are you doing tonight? I am doing fantastic, man. I can't believe we're here on our ninth episode, and you know, I'm just excited to talk NAIA baseball with you again. Is that what it is, nine episodes already? This is lucky number nine for us, man. Nine weeks of the NAI Ball podcast. It's been a fantastic thing that we've had so far. want to thank everybody who's listened in, whether you've listened to one episode or all the episodes on either SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Apple iTunes. Yeah, we definitely appreciate all the love and support, so thank you guys. Let's kick things off, and Cody, you'll get us going. You had our first big series of the week, Mid-America Nazarene at Central Methodist. Yeah, you know, this was a huge one out in the heart of America Conference. Mid-America Nazarene and number 24 Central Methodist split the four-game series 2-2. Two to two. Central Methodist won game one seven to 7-3. Dylan Checo went seven innings, three earned with four strikeouts in the win. Mid-America Mazarin back, bounced back to win two games, 5-3 to three and 6-2, to two, put themselves in the lead of the series. Central Methodist called back on the final day, 12-1, to one, cruised. They were able to have an even split. These are two of the top three teams in the conference. Central Methodist right now only has one loss. And Mid-America Nazarene, you know, they're still in it. Jordan Daly had a great weekend, seven innings, three earns, six strikeouts. Austin Conower, seven innings, two earns. Carlos Reyes, six for 11, three RBIs. Four for nine for Josh Chandler with two home runs. Just a really good weekend for a couple of the standouts from Mid-America. Central Methodist Jared Johnson, six for eight, three home runs, seven RBIs in the series, nine stolen bases as a team. Dylan Checo, as I mentioned, had a great start. Randy Perez had a great start. You know, this is just a really good series between two of the top teams in the conference that I'll probably meet again later in the tournament. Definitely looking forward to those teams meeting again in their conference tournament. We'll keep things rolling here. I had Columbia at Missouri Baptist. Columbia now 19 and 8, 6 and 6 overall. Mobap 16 and 11, 8 and 3 overall in conference play. In the series, game one went to Mobap 7 to 6, game number two to Missouri Baptist 4 to 1, and game number three to Columbia 5 to 2. Game number one for Columbia, the rally fell just short. But for Missouri Baptist, designated hitter Wayne Roberts, three RBIs in that game was the difference. Game number two, Columbia actually outhit Mobap nine to six, but Mobap gets the four to one win. Austin Scheiber, nine innings pitch, six hits, one run, no earned, four strikeouts for Missouri Baptist in that game. In game number three, Andrew Warner, one of the best hitters in the nation, went. Two for three with a home run and three RBIs. Dakota Stone, nine innings pitch, eight hits, two runs, five strikeouts for Columbia. Game number three for Missouri Baptist. General MacArthur, best name in the NAI with an RBI. And then Robbie Brewster with seven innings pitch. So Missouri Baptist takes that series 
two games to one. Cody, the battle for supremacy in Georgia between Georgia Gwinnett and Middle Georgia State. Tell us about it. Georgia Gwinnett won the series two games to one. Jonathan McKinney in his season debut for GGC, 6.2 innings pitch, one earned, five strikeouts, picked up the 5-1 win in game one. Hunter Peck, you know, he followed it up with another gym. Gave up one hit, a solo home run to Zach Cornell in the first inning. Didn't give up a hit rest of the way. Seven innings, just a brilliant start for him. You know, they took both of those games on the road. Great pitching. But Middle Georgia bounced back, man. They found a way to steal a game on the road. Zach Cornell had another great game in game three. Brent Burge is their relief pitcher. Incredible series for him. Four innings pitch, no runs, seven strikeouts. Picked up the win in game three. He did his job. He kept his team in it. And Luke Parks was able to deliver a single in the 10th inning. Middle Georgia was able to take a win on the road. I will take us out west to Corbin at LCSC. Lewis Clark State and Corbin taking each other on. LCSC now 27 and 5 overall, Corbin 19 and 19. LCSC swept the series 6-5 game 1, 6-5 game 2, 6-1 in game 3 and 1-0 in game 4. In game number 1 for Corbin, Ethan Bragg went 4 for 5 with an RBI. Game number 2 for Corbin rally fell just short in the ninth inning. They had their chances but could not bring the tying run across the plate. Game number two for them as well, Ben Ross, three RBIs and a home run in that one. Game number three, Daniel Freeberger, two hits in that one. And then game number four, Maxwell Jeffrey, two hits as well for Corbin. For LCSC, 27-5 and five overall, Darren Trainer in game number one, three for four with two RBIs. Game number two, Tyler McDowell and Riley Way, two hits each. Tyler Birch got the win in game two. Game three, Raymond Padrina, two hits, and then Cade Woods, five and a third innings pitch, six hits, one run, one walk, eight strikeouts. Game four, Tyler McDowell had one hit and one RBI. He was the difference on offense. Tyler Charo, five innings pitch, two hits in 18 batters face. He got the win for LCSC. Our big series of the week was Brian at Tennessee Wesleyan. Brian now 25 and five, 11 and one. In conference play, Tennessee Wesleyan 17 and 14 overall, 7 and 5 in conference play. The series went like this: 3 to 2 in 12 innings to Bryan, 6 to 2 to Bryan in game number two, and then game three 6-4 to Tennessee Wesleyan. I was covered in Tennessee Wesleyan here, and in game number one, Philip Cielli, six and two thirds innings pitch, four hits, one run, one earn, nine strikeouts, got the no decision, pitched very well in game number one. Colin Ridout two for five. Game number two, Malik Stevens, four for four, and Dakota Phillips, a home run and an RBI. In game number three, the only game Tennessee Wesleyan would win, a sixth-run fifth. All the runs they scored in game number three came in the fifth inning. Chris Batesel, two for three with two RBIs, and then Grant Lang got the save in an inning and two-thirds, allowing just one hit and striking out two. You know, Brian, it's a really big series for them. They're atop of that conference, and they're looking to be making some noise this year. Steven Shamley, nine innings, one earned, 13 strikeouts in game one. Got the no decision. Brandon Marklin, three perfect innings, no hits, no runs, seven strikeouts, struck out seven in the nine he faced on the road. I mean, that's just incredible. The guy has pitched 18 innings this up. 18 innings this year, hasn't given up a run. Fernando Garcia, the guy's hitting 460 on the year. Two hit more hits every game this series. Went 7 for 12. Cody Young homered twice. You know, this is a Bryan team that can pitch it really well, that can hit it really well. 
they're on their way to probably hosting the opening round and you know possibly taking their team to the World Series. Brian is having an excellent season. They're in the tops of that conference and really took a huge series over a Tennessee Wesleyan team that's dominated that conference the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, the Lions are 27-5 and five now. They're just rolling, man. Let's go into everyone's favorite segment in the NAI Ball podcast, our surprises of the week. We'll kick things off with a pitching duel out in San Antonio, Texas. Texas A&M, Texarkana starting pitcher Nate McGee, 10 innings pitch, no runs, 6 strikeouts. Olu, Our Lady of the Lake starting pitcher Jordan Hackett, 12 innings pitch, no runs, no walks, 9 strikeouts. Robert Morris starting pitcher Brandon Hickey threw a no-hitter Tuesday night versus Calumet. Struck out 11 in a dominant performance. A three-run go-ahead home run by Nate Patterson in the eighth inning lifts Central Christian out of Kansas over a red-hot Friends team. Eight to six was the final there. Cumberland's out of Kentucky swept a midweek doubleheader over Tennessee Wesleyan to extend their winning streak to 22 games. That's the longest in the NAI this season. The Patriots are now 26-3 and on the season. Have to wonder, as you said on Twitter, when will Cumberland's be ranked? College of the Ozarks won their series over William Woods 3-1. Ozarks now 20-14 and on the season, playing some quality baseball out there. Bellevue rebounds in a big way with a huge 3-1 conference win over number 12, Jamestown. Jamestown entered that series 23-1. and Arizona Christian, Arizona Christian, excuse me, swept the three-game series over Hope International, a big weekend for the Firestorm. And then Canada's team, UBC, British Columbia, opened their new ballpark in style. Two walk-off wins and a series sweep over Oregon Tech in a high-scoring affair. Simpson rallies down from 18 to 10 and scores 16 unanswered for the 26 to 18 win. Two touchdowns got it done late for the Red Hawks. Have to like the strategy. Cody, they left the offense out there, went for the two-point conversion each time. And then the biggest surprise of the week, how do you pitch to Austin Kashinsky? A guy we'll talk about in just a short while. But home runs number five and six. Where do you draw the line there? No shame in intentionally walking the guy. Yeah, sometimes it's better to give up one run than four. And, uh, yeah, I don't understand how you pitch to him for a fifth and sixth bomb there. We'll move on now to our hitter and pitcher of the week. Every week we switch off. This week, Cody, you have hitter, I have pitcher. Cody, tell us about your hitter of the week. It's Austin Kuczynski, man. Fortunately for him, they kept pitching to him. Six home runs on the day, 16 RBIs. It is the greatest single-day baseball performance I've ever heard of, and uh, definitely giving him a shout-out. Just an incredible day he'll never forget for the rest of his life. Definitely a crazy performance. Whatever he did, he should not change a thing. Don't wash anything. Don't change anything. Eat the same thing you did. Do the same thing you did because that's unbelievable. Yeah, he entered the season with one home run. He had one home run on the season in 20 games. The guy hit six in one day. I mean, it's just, you know, unreal. My pitcher of the week is none other than Jonathan Bermudez out of Southeastern University in Lakeland, Florida. He threw a no-hitter in a 7-0 win over Warner University. Nine innings pitch, one walk, 16 strikeouts. This is a guy having a big impact on the season. 
for Southeastern University. 50-plus innings pitch, ERA below one, 90-plus strikeouts. He's a big name, a big name to watch out for down the road, and a guy that's absolutely tearing it up this season. Yeah, great year for Bermudez, man. He's leading one of the best teams in the country, and they definitely have a Friday night guy to throw out there. So congratulations to our hitter and pitcher of the week, our hitter Austin Kaczynski out of Central Baptist College, and our pitcher of the week, Jonathan Bermudez out of Southeastern University in Lakeland, Florida. We'll move on now to our weekend ahead. Some of the biggest series around the nation will kick it off with number 8 USAO at Wayland Baptist. That'll be a great one out in Texas. Then the battle for Miami Gardens. Florida Memorial at number 7 St. Thomas. Number 24 Central Methodist takes on Avila. Point at Reinhardt. Reinhardt currently sitting at the 26th spot just on the outside looking in of that top 25. Georgetown at Cumberland's, another team receiving votes on the outside of that top 25, wanting to be in there, probably deserving to be in that top 25. Harris-Stowe State at Columbia, St. Xavier at Trinity Christian, Robert Morris at St. Francis, Mayville State at Bellevue, Roosevelt at St. Ambrose, LSU Shreveport at Our Lady of the Lake, Lawrence Tech and Indiana Tech will play each other this weekend as well. And so will McPherson take on friends. Now, Harris-Stowe State has played a lot of really good ball this season. They already have 23 wins this year. They're a team to look out for. Big series for them against a team that's receiving votes in Columbia. The four biggest series of the week, the four series you need to watch. And, of course, we'll introduce our NAI ball big series of the week. But first, I will start us off with number 20, Lyon at William Woods. Lyon, 23-7, 14-2 in conference play. William Woods, 21-11, 10-3 in conference play. For Lyon, they're hitting 318 as a team. You have to watch out for Kylan Barnett, hitting 402 with 10 doubles, 4 home runs, 32 RBIs. And then Kyle West, 349, 14 doubles, 2 home runs, 34 RBIs. Marcelo Terrazas on the mound, 238 ERA, 3-0 record in 34 innings pitch. And then Tyson Campbell, 338 ERA, 7-1 record, 1 save, 58 and 2 thirds innings pitch, 13 walks, 56 strikeouts. For William Woods, Brian Granton, 352 with 37 hits to lead the way for his team. Tyler Cunningham, 255, but he's got 6 home runs and 31 RBIs. Nolan Aaron, 316 with 11 doubles and 21 RBIs. And on the mound, Taryn Olten, 131 ERA, 5-1 record, 8 starts, 55 innings pitch, 15, stri- 15 walks excuse me, with 50 strikeouts. Lyon and William Woods playing for supremacy in a conference that has been dominated by Missouri Baptists. That's yeah, a very strong conference this year. I don't know if they're getting the credit they deserve, but you know it's one to watch this weekend. You got to win every weekend, and you have teams like that behind you, like Harrisville State, Columbia, and Mobap. Cody, you've got Taylor at Huntington. Tell us all about your big series of the week. You know this is a huge series in the Crossroads League. You know you're taking the 2017 champion Huntington, and they're hosting the 2018 favorite in Taylor. Huntington, you know, really awful start to this year. No other way to say it. 0 and 9 to start the year. But, you know, they turned it around 7-3 and in their last 10. They've won five straight games, all of them conference games, so they're 5-0 and in conference. You know, all you got to do is win your conference to get that bid. 
Daniel Lichty has been a really good player. 421 average, three doubles, a home run with six stolen bases. Donovan Clark hitting 309 with eight stolen bases. Adrian Perez got a little pop in his bat. Two home runs, hitting 280 with 18 RBIs. Connor West on the mound, man. 24 innings, 2.63 ERA. Colton punches, 22 innings, 3.18 ERA. So this is a team that definitely shouldn't have gone 0-9. You know, I don't know if the ball didn't fall their way, but they're definitely a talented group, and they're hosting probably the most talented team in the conference in Taylor. Taylor has the best pitcher in the conference, without a doubt, Matt Patton. 52 innings pitched, 0.82 ERA, three walks in 52 innings, 62 strikeouts. People are hitting under 200 off of him. I mean, he's one of the best arms in the entire country. Nathan Targart's hitting 394, nine doubles, 41 hits on the year. You know, they're hitting over 310 as a team. Wyatt Whitman already has three triples, 15 stolen bases, over 30 runs. They have four guys on their team with 13 or more stolen bases. They've stolen 81 as a team. You know, they, their ERA is sub three. So this is a really good matchup between two of the favorites to win this conference this year. You really want to have a good weekend. It's going to be a great series between Taylor and Huntington. That series will be played at Huntington. Number three team in the nation, Southeastern University, takes on number 13, Kaiser, in a battle of the Sun Conference down in West Palm Beach, Florida. Southeastern University comes into this series at 37-2. and They are 12-0 and in Sun Conference play. 331 team average for Southeastern, 266 team ERA. Nick Batari, 447, 51 hits. 10 home runs, 35 RBIs. Dan Valerio, 415 average, 59 hits, 18 doubles, 9 home runs, 54 RBIs. And then Marvin Malone, 336 average, 9 home runs, 36 RBIs. A slew of guys in that lineup that can hit for Southeastern University. The guy to watch on the mound, Jonathan Bermudez. He was our NAI Ball Podcast Pitcher of the Week. 0.82 0.82 ERA, 9 and 0 record in 8 starts, 1 no-hitter, 54 and 2 thirds innings pitch, has given up just 22 hits, walked just 13, and struck out 96 opponents hitting 121 off of him. Absolute monster year for Jonathan Bermudez, Southeastern University, one of the best teams in the nation at 37 and 2. For Kaiser University, they're 25 and 8, 7 and 6 in Sun Conference play. They are hitting 347 as a team with a 368 team ERA. Marco Rivera, 496 average, 20 doubles, 9 home runs, 47 RBIs. Carlos Pena, 369 average, 4 home runs, 18 RBIs. Chucky Lopez, 364 average, 8 home runs, 34 RBIs. And then Pete Crescido, 356 average, 37 hits which is second on the team, 22 RBIs. On the mound for Kaiser, of course, a lot of people know about Taylor Blatch, Darian Reagans out of the Cape Cod League, but Victor Hughes, the local kid, Palm Beach County product, with a 260 ERA, 3-1 record, 34 and two-thirds innings pitch, 14 walks, 49 strikeouts, opponents hitting 217 off of him. This is going to be a huge series between Southeastern and Kaiser, and I will get to call Game 3 in West Palm Beach. I will be there for most of the series, so definitely looking forward to that. Cody, you've got LSU Alexandria at Texas A&M Texarkana. Tell us all about it. You know, 
LSU Alexandria enters this, you know, they really turned their season around. They started two for 13, not where they wanted to be. The run support wasn't there, man. They just weren't scoring any runs, to be honest with you. But they've turned the corner, man. They're 14 and 2 since. Logan Constantine's providing some offense 389, 11 doubles, 23 RBIs. Bryce Laird, 349, 3 doubles with a jack. Zach Hebert's already got a jack, 16 stolen bases. Dude's running like crazy. They have some really good pitchers. Hendry Rodriguez, 29 innings pitch, 0.61 ERA, 38 strikeouts. People are hitting 144 off of him, so you know when he's pitching, he's going to deliver a great outing every time. Colby Green's got 43 innings, 59 strikeouts. Clayton Dale, 25 innings, 1.75 ERA. And they're going up against the top team in the conference. Texas A&M, Texarkana has been awesome this year. 24-7, 11-1 in the Red River Athletic. Bobby Kramer's hitting 434. Well, he hit 434 in 2016. He missed last year's coming back, playing well, good ball for them. Joe Perlman, 393 on the year. Zach Bowler, 367, nine doubles. You know, Nate McGee has been their dude on the mound all year. 51 innings pitch, 1.06 ERA. People are hitting less than 200 off of him. You know, that's going to be a really good matchup with McGee and Rodriguez. Evan Rogers is another really good starter for them. 48 innings pitch. Texas A&M, Texarkana looks like a team that wants to win the conference this year and make that opening round, and I think they have the team to do it. A big series down in the RRAC in Texarkana. Definitely one to watch. Now it's time for the big one this week, the NAI Ball Podcast Series of the Week, and it features the number one and number two teams in the nation, Georgia Gwinnett at Faulkner. Cody, you will be there. You're covering GGC in this one. Tell us about them. Yeah, man. So these teams have already played once this year. It's a great game. Georgia Gwinnett tied it in the ninth to send it to extras. Faulkner was able to make some outstanding plays. Faulkner won game one of this series way back when. So looking into this one, man, it's going to be a great matchup. Top two teams in the country. Georgia Gwinnett comes into this hitting 336 as a team. You know, Alex Garland's one of the dudes for this. 14 doubles, six home runs. C.J. Ballard is hitting over 400. Walter Corsi, a surprising freshman, has been incredible. 458 on the season, six doubles. Really good player. On the mound, man, Cole Uvala is a dude. Jonathan McKinney, a new guy, you know, had a great outing at Middle Georgia, starting to come fresh for them. Taylor Folsom in relief. So this is going to be a really good test for them to play against a team. Let's be honest, Faulkner has handled Georgia Gwinnett in the last four years. So they want to set their foot out. They want to be the best team in the country. they got to make it happen in Montgomery. Death, taxes, and Faulkner is good at baseball. It's a constant. This is a team that deserves to be number one in the nation. They are 31-2, and 10-2 in the SSAC. Faulkner is the team that I'm covering this week. They are hitting 337 as a team with a 267 team ERA. Reese Cooley is coming off of an 8-for-9 weekend with three home runs. He's hitting 434 with seven long balls and 30 RBIs. Austin Paschke, 337, eight home runs, 32 RBIs. And Reed Long, 319, five home runs, 26 RBIs for Faulkner. On the mound, they get it done just as well. Tyler Thornton, 221 ERA, 4-0 record, one save, 40 and two-thirds innings pitch, nine walks, 53 strikeouts. Tyler Tungate, 191 ERA, 4-0 record, two saves, 33 innings pitch, three walks, 46 strikeouts. And then Brandon Suttles on the mound as well, ERA below one, sitting at no record, two saves, 19 innings pitch, two runs all year given up, four walks, 23 strikeouts. There's a reason, Cody, 
these are the number one and the number two teams in the nation. Yeah, when you're sitting there listing off Faulkner's starting pitchers, you look at Tungate and Thornton. These are guys with World Series experience. They have pitched against the best teams in the country. You know, a lot of the guys in their lineups, Rosa, Reed Long, they've been there, they've done that. Georgia Gwinnett wants to get out there to the World Series this year. They certainly have a team capable of doing that. And I think this is the best matchup, not only this weekend, but the entire season. It's time for the opinion of the week. Cody, I'm going to let you lead us off this week. And I know this is an opinion that you are very strong on. It might be because I go to a school that has not played a seven-inning game all season, but I can't stand seven-inning baseball games. I mean, take that back to softball, man. I'm not a fan of that. You're taking the bullpen out of the game. You look at how many pitchers go complete games in NEIA because they're only going seven. And, you know, coaches playing around that. It really takes the 50 through three out of the game. I just can't stand it. I think you need to have a bullpen. If you can't, I'm sorry. You know, your offense better pick you up. I don't know what to tell you. But, yeah, every baseball game should be 27 or 24 outs. There's no excuse. I really have to agree with that because, well, I think seven innings as far as a midweek go, sure. But in conference play, I think you should be playing nines only because when you get to the postseason, there are no seven-inning ball games. There's nothing. You go to the World Series, everything's a nine. You go to a regional, everything's a nine. So I definitely can see where you're coming from on that one. Yeah, I mean, you have teams in conference play playing three seven-inning games this last weekend up in the WAC. I mean, that's just ridiculous. I, I can't stand that. So I hope it's something they look into in the future, and maybe they get all these games to be nine innings. Like you said, it helps you for postseason play. Playing seven innings does nothing for you. Cody, my opinion of the week is really more of how we are fortunate in the NAI. You see, the way our postseason is set up is more relatable to Division I baseball than it is to anything else. In Division II, just in the southeastern region, you've got the Sunshine State, the Peach Belt, and the Gulf South, all in one region. Three conferences. One spot in the World Series. So automatically, pretty much every year, you've got your West Alabamas, your Delta States, your Tampas, Nova Southeastern, Lynn is a very competitive team. And so every single year, seven teams in three conferences, only seven teams make the regional, and only one will go to the World Series. That's the equivalent of throwing Georgia Gwinnett in there with the Southern States and the Sun Conference and saying, all right, the Southeastern Regional for the NAI is Georgia Gwinnett, Faulkner, Southeastern, St. Thomas. Then you have to give one to William Carey. Then you've got all the other teams battling it out. Middle Georgia, Mobile, Kaiser, Weber, all those teams, Florida Memorials having an unbelievable year, all of those teams battling for the rest of the spots, then you fill that region, and you've got four teams that are deserving of a World Series. Faulkner, Georgia Gwinnett, Southeastern, St. Thomas. Right now, all four of those teams are deserving of a World Series, and only one of them can advance on. And if the NAI did it like that, did their opening round like that, Lewiston wouldn't have the magic that it does. 
because it's a team that makes it through a region that's nationwide. You've got teams moving from west to east. You can have a GSAC team in Georgia. You can have a team from the Sun Conference going north. Teams can go anywhere. They seed the teams the way they should be seeded. And while we can gripe about the way things are seeded, it could be a lot worse. It's not just, well, one team from the northeast, one team from the west. No, it's the best teams in the nation will find their way to Lewiston and are deserving to host an opening round, as they should. Faulkner should host an opening round. Georgia Gwinnett should host an opening round. Southeastern should host an opening round. St. Thomas is deserving of it. There's so many teams just in that one little area. And so we really have to be thankful that the NAI does its postseason play more like Division One instead of being in Division Two, where, good luck, your regional is better than the World Series. So that's my opinion of the week. I'm, I'm definitely thankful for the way that the opening round goes and the way that the regionals are set up. Yeah, man, I love the opening round format. It's really awesome and three great days of baseball. We'll end it right here. Cody, a huge weekend ahead of us. Number one and number two team in the nation, Faulkner, Georgia Gwinnett, will meet each other. Very rare in college baseball. But what else are you looking forward to? I'd like to see if Kaiser, you know, can put their name in the hat. Everyone's talking about Southeastern. Everyone's talking about St. Thomas. Kaiser wins that series over Southeastern. You know, they're going to shock some people across the country. And I also want to give a shout-out to Alex Murphy of South Carolina Beaufort, USCB. You know, he broke the career home run record in two years there. He has 14 home runs. They're kind of having a rough season, but he's having a great year. He's doing everything he can to help. And I wanted to give him the shout-out for breaking that career home run record. That is a huge move for him. Congratulations for breaking the USCB home run record. Definitely always when you can put your name in the record books, whether it's nationwide, program-wide, definitely something to celebrate. But that will do it for us here. As always, you can follow Cody at NAI Ball on Twitter for all of your NAI scores, stats, schedules, and information and news, the foremost authority in NAI Baseball. You can follow myself, Robbie Gutierrez, at RobG1063 on Twitter. Always love to talk NAI Baseball with people from around the nation. But for Episode 9, that'll do it for us. We'll talk to you again for the NAI Ball Podcast, Episode 10. We hope you have a great night and even better tomorrow. And we'll talk to you soon.